close encounters of the third kind, actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I got to do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses. Episode number 18, I'm your host, John Jay, and with me, as always, the Lances, Lauren and Mike. What's up, what's up? And uh, Jared Walker. Hi. I'm, uh, I'm trying out my new radio voice. Is that your new radio voice? Does it sound, sound good? Oh, I, can I try out my new radio voice where I talk like this? That's a phone sex operator voice. Is that sure, I'm try out my new radio voice. That's an NPR voice. Because normally I sound like John, what's a boy, our top story today? But I'm going to try not to sound like a boy. I'll try to sound yeah, different. Yeah, it's too hard. I'm just going to do it regular. Nah, yeah. fuck this. Just sound like a boy. It's really hard. I, re- I do sound like a boy. I can't not talk like this anymore. Fuck you, Jared. Anyway. Please send Welcome help. to the show. Uh, starting off, uh, we got some UFO news. I wanted to switch things up and uh, do some UFO stories Ooh. before we got into this more sciencey stuff. Uh, Roswell happened. Roswell yeah, conspiracy that. theory expert claims UFO crash did happen and says a leaked U.S. government document she's seen proves it. Uh, paranormal radio show host Heather Wade insists she has seen a top secret report on the alleged incident in New Mexico. Is that the... Is that from that alien autopsy show on HBO. Yeah, that's picture. just a picture of okay, the alien autopsy. Yeah, that's fake. Uh, <laughs> she uh, says she's gotten her hands on an ultra-top secret report confirming the fabled alien encounter in the desert of New Mexico. Uh, Wade says she got the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency DIA document from an unnamed source, according to the Express. She claims the dossier details how the UFO came down on July 2nd or 3rd, 1947. Well, you think they'd have a... Did she a, a show it? Uh, Wade, who hosts a late-night online radio show focusing on the paranormal, claims the documents describe how four decomposing alien bodies were found two miles from the crash site a week later. So this is something that we've never heard before. The, I thought we heard about the bodies. My well, no, there was bodies at the crash site. These oh, guys more tried to bail out. Yeah. And didn't, or were I, either too hurt to... But I feel like if you've got a dossier... Why don't you just take fucking pictures of it? Like, probably because she wants to sell a book. I don't know. But just show, just show us, show us the pictures. Like, picture didn't happen. Like, telling me, well, I've got these documents and it says this on this on this paper. It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe she's got to check with her lawyers to see if a bunch of dudes in SWAT gear are gonna kick in her door and murder her in the middle of the night if she does yeah, show it. I mean, I don't think her lawyer can stop that. No, but I mean, like you got to figure out what the ramifications of taking a picture of a classified. I don't document think there's is. a way to predict if SWAT guys are just going to burst in and take yeah, it. Yeah, I night. mean, she's admitting that she knows this stuff. If they're going to do that to her, they're just well, gonna no. Do that to what her. what I mean by that, Jared, is if it is currently illegal to share said document. Oh, yeah. If it's still a super black classified document. That probably will happen. But isn't it kind of, doesn't it put you in enough peril to say, I've seen this, not someone's really, passed yeah, it off no, to not, me. Not necessarily legal peril. Well, mm. then she should just go WikiLeaks and uh, go to Sweden. 
it might not be legal peril. They might not be able to legally do anything to her. But I think physical peril is worse than legal peril. No. Yes. No. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the real question is, I'd rather did you be, die? I'd rather be hunted by a U.S. government black ops hunt kill squad than uh, spend one day testifying in front of Congress. That's just me. You I don't just, know. All you got to do is just plead the fifth. Yeah, when you're dead, it's over. Yeah. When you're in, in court. Anyway, the ends. radio host said she passed the report on to Stanton Friedman, a nuclear physicist who is also a Roswell believer and investigator. The supposed government report states aerial reconnaissance discovered that four small human-like beings had apparently ejected from the craft at some point before it exploded. These had fallen to Earth at least two miles east of the crash site where the wreckage was lo- located. All of the four alien crew members were dead and badly decomposed. Uh, a statement on the website for a radio show, Midnight in the Desert, reads, Heather Wade received documents last night from a trusted source. Uh, she immediately had Stanton Freeman take a look at these documents who said, I have never seen anything like this. This is the new MJ-12 information. Stanton Friedman sounds like somebody who'd be a member of MJ-12. Yeah, uh, Stanton Friedman is going to continue examining these documents for authenticity. So sh- she wants to make sure they're authentic before she just releases them. You know, because think about it. You release that, and then somebody comes. Somebody from 4chan three days later goes, "Fuck you, you idiot!" This is why it's not aliens real. aliens aren't real. I plan. I leaked that to you. You know, yeah, like. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just got to be careful with this kind of stuff. Yeah, but why put it out there if if you're not sure? All right, st- well, th- to make us talk about it and maybe listen to a radio show, and buy her book. Yeah, and that's why. That's why. That's why I'm just smelling bullshit. And for people who don't know, what is MJ-12? Majestic 12. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's like a, like a like a think tank, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it was a code name for an alleged secret committee of scientists, military leaders, and government officials formed in 1947 right. by an executive order of Harry S. Truman, president, uh, to facilitate recovery and investigation of alien spacecraft. So why did you ask me if you had the article pulled up? For our listeners who may you not wanna, know what it is. You just want to throw it in my face, Jared? Thanks no. a lot, buddy. You just I thought you would know, and when you didn't, <laughs> no, I had I'm the article kidding. on standby. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, Jared was waiting. Like, Jared's being a real jerk He's here. waiting to fact check you. You're fucking dumb. Being a real jerk here. And you invited me on the show so that I could keep you in check. That's true. Did UFOs cause Marilyn Monroe's death? A documentary pro- uh, claims proof. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. That's documentary, That's which is a different thing. It is. Yeah, it's called documentary. Sorry, Mike. Documentary. 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 Uh, I'm trying to Chromecast it you guys. It's not working. It was. A new documentary claims that Marilyn Monroe was killed because she was going to leak evidence regarding extraterrestrials and their existence. Uh, directed by Michael Mazzola, Unacknowledged goes into a wide range of conspiracy theories, including one that offers up a possible explanation for Mar- Marilyn Monroe's death, that she knew about UFOs and threatened to leak classified documents. I'm guessing she learned it from Kennedy. I get, Yeah, I guess, yeah, if you bang... A president, you get classified. I don't even think their wives get access to classified wasn't there, documents. Wasn't there that one story supposedly where when Kennedy first took office and he was like, they gave him the presidential book of secrets. He'd read like half of it and then they found him in the corridor weeping. No, it's not him. I think it was somebody else. No, I'd Some... like to know the presidential book of secrets. I can, I can take it. Yeah, I, I could too. 
Uh, in a clip first spotted by technology website Gizmodo, actor Burl Ives claimed that Monroe did not die from a drug overdose. Dr. Stephen Greer, who is the subject of the documentary, holds up a so-called death warrant after Monroe had a phone conversations with reporter Dorothy Keelgan, who was looking into the famous Roswell incident. Uh, right now, we're just going to go ahead and listen to the, the clip, just because it, it explains it way better than we can. So uh, go ahead, and we will be right back. Interestingly, there was a man on my executive committee who was a very well-known actor and singer named uh, Burl Ives. And Burl Ives, <laughs> he was a 33rd degree Mason. So all of you people who think that all these secret societies, everyone in it knows everything, they don't know anything. And he said to me, he says, we all know that Marilyn Monroe didn't die of an overdose. Boop, boop, he said, do you know why they killed Marilyn? Mr. President, the late Marilyn Monroe. And I said, well, I didn't until I got this document. It's a, a virtual death warrant because she was found a couple days later. 3 August 1962, wiretap of telephone conversations between reporter Dorothy Kilgallen, who was looking into Roswell and other UFO issues, and her close friend Howard Rothberg. From wiretap of telephone conversation of Marilyn Monroe and Attorney General Bobby Kennedy. Rothberg discussed the apparent comeback of the subject with Kilgallen and the breakup with the Kennedys. This is referring to the fact that Marilyn Monroe had been having an affair with not one but both Kennedy brothers and it was becoming conspicuous so they broke it off. Rothberg indicated in so many words that she had secrets to tell, no doubt, arising from her trysts with the President and the Attorney General. One such secret mentions the visit of the president at a secret air base for the purpose of inspecting things from outer space. Now, this is 1962. Kilgallen said that if the story is true, it would be a terrible embarrassment for Jack and his plans to have NASA put men on the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. The subject repeatedly called the Attorney General and complained about the way she was being ignored by the President and his brother. Subject threatened to hold a press conference and would tell all. It's a tragic situation because she was an actress. She didn't understand the national security state and the viciousness of those who want to keep these sort of secrets. Interestingly, there was a... Okay, so that was pretty. That's pretty interesting, right? I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that they killed her because she knew that the president was investigating things, you more know, like alien the, technology. But just more like in general, yeah, more like in general, everything that she knew. Also, if you're the president, don't tell the actress that you're banging state secrets, please. Well, that how else are you gonna keep her? Might banging be a you? mistake. Oh, maybe she was an alien slut. I don't know. I guess if I could find out the truth about aliens, I'd fuck for that. You'd fuck for the truth about aliens? Yeah, right. I think we all would, now right? You, now you're going to get a whole bunch of emails from listeners going, I know the truth about oh, aliens. Oh, but they don't know jack shit. <laughs> the, the, the thing that annoyed me with this whole soundbite is, oh, he was a 33rd degree Mason, blah, 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 blah. And it's like... Well, he did say that... That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, and I, and I agree. Like, but why even why even say it if it doesn't necessarily mean anything? It's just like a trigger word at that point. From the it's video, like, it seems like he's joking. It's ugh, yeah, but uh, it annoys so, me. So unacknowledged is actually available now on uh, digital and video on demand. So 
All right, we might have to watch that. Yeah, we're probably going to have to watch that documentary. It'll probably be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, giant hole on Mars could be work of aliens, researchers say. There's a giant hole on Mars? Yeah, it's really deep, too. Yeah. That, oh, wow, that is deep. That is a deep hole. I mean, that is it, a big old hole. It could just be a, uh, you know, where an asteroid hit it or whatever. Well, a giant uh, hole on Mars has scientists baffled, and some UFO researchers are theorizing it could be the work of extraterrestrials. Because, of course, they would. Well, because if you don't know what something is... It must be aliens. Aliens, for sure. Or it could be a well, sinkhole. Well, it wouldn't be an asteroid, though, because if scientists are baffled... Yeah. They would They would know that an uh, asteroid recently well, hit Well, if it, it's a sinkhole, that's really interesting, because sinkholes are caused by underground water flow. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mars had water on it forever ago. Yeah, so but say the water either dried up or it froze, so it may cause a sinkhole. So global warming is affecting even Mars. No, I'm not saying that... What? Fuck you. So uh, Tyler Glockner, who runs Secure Team 10, which is a uh, YouTube channel, said the hole is estimated to be hundreds of feet across. Uh, the rocky terrain of Mars, which, like Earth, has polar ice caps, does not account for what the depression is, Glockner added. The images come courtesy of NASA's Mars Reconna Reconnaissance Orbiter, which has been exploring the planet. NASA has given several possibilities of what could have caused the hole, including meteorites, lava tubes, ancient floods, and volcanoes, but conspiracy theorists have other ideas. Of course. Glockner said the hole shows artificial characteristics, noting that it looks as if it has been hollowed out. Glockner uh, added the hole could also be an entrance to an underground civilization. Uh, I think that's probably the most likely. No. It does, what, what, what looks artificial about it? It looks, it's, it's, too, it's too spherical. It looks, I, like it, it looks like it was made... And obviously, you got to get into the underground civilization somehow. It would be awesome if it was. But it looks like a sinkhole to me. Sinkholes tend to be spherical. That is true. Yeah. But it could be caused by aliens... Aliens. ...digging for gold. Alien. Ooh, gold could aliens. Alien prospectors. Alien pro... Well... <laughs> There's gold in them there hills. Well, this is like... Zenu? Like, this is like the galactic frontier out here, you know? Like, we're very primitive out here, well, we so... we are out on the outer rim. Yeah, we're on the outer rim of the galaxy here, and, uh, you know, so prospectors could be coming, they do, like, little test holes in, in planets, like... Looking for alien oil. Yeah, see if there's oil or gold, you know. Texas tea. They got their dowsing rods and they're looking for water. Yeah. Prospectors hats. You know, their ship is just shaped like a giant dowsing rod. Yeah. Ah, oh, that would be awkward. Yeah, that probably looks weird. <laughs> Kurt Russell claims to be the pilot who called in prolific 1997 UFO sighting. That would be so awesome if Wait, he was. What? I'd no, love that's what Kurt he said. He says he has the flight logs. Uh,. It turns out Kurt Russell, or maybe his escape from New York alter ego, Snake Plissken, is responsible for phoning in one of the leading UFO conspiracies out there. In a BBC interview alongside Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 co-star Chris Pratt, the 66-year-old actor said that in 1997, he was the pilot who first reported the Phoenix Lights incident in Arizona, in which thousands of people allegedly witnessed six lights in formation moving in the night sky. What the fuck? Wait, are you sure he doesn't mean, like, his character? No. Here's how the conversation went down. I was the pilot, Russell said in the interview. Oliver and I were flying in. I was flying him to go see his girlfriend, and we were on approach. I saw six lights over the airport in absolute uniform V shape. I was just looking at them, and I was coming in. We were maybe half a mile out. His son, Oliver, said, Pa, what are those lights? Then I kind of came out of my reverie, and I said, I don't know what they are, he said. Are we okay here? I said, I'm going to call and report it. And, uh... And they said, we don't show anything. So basically, they said they didn't see anything I just on the like radar. Kurt Russell that much more now. 
I said, well, okay, I'm going to declare it. It's identified. It's flying, and it's six objects. We landed. I taxied, dropped him off, took off, and went back to L.A. I never said a word. He never said a word. I never thought of it. Two years later, uh, his wife, Goldie Hawn, is watching a television show when he came home, and the show is on UFOs. And he said, I'm kind of hearing the TV going, and I stopped, and I started watching it, and it was on that event. And that was the most viewed UFO event ever. Over 200,000 people saw that. I'm watching this, and I'm feeling like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I go, <laughs> what? Why do I know this? And it's not clear to me. And, I find, and finally, they said a general aviation pilot reported it on landing. <laughs> That's awesome. I never thought of it since then, and I said, that was me, that was me, wait a minute, I'll go get my logbooks. So I went to go get my logbooks, and there was that flight at that time, and I didn't mention anything about the UFO. Wait, huh. what? So he said he didn't write it to in To anyone, oh. yeah. He said, the fascinating part of that to me was that it just went, literally went out of my head, and Oliver never mentioned it. Had I not seen the show, I never would have thought of it again. That, to me, was the weird part. Needless to say, oh. Pratt was convinced. So he said. So 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 he said he's the first pilot to report it, uh, except somehow he forgot it until a TV show reminded him of it. How weird! And he was landing at the Phoenix airport at that day. That's crazy. At that time, so Kurt Russell equals what if, aliens. Whatever what? I find out that a celebrity I like believes in aliens, I just like them that much more. And he Isn't recently played an alien. I yeah. I feel that way too. Like as soon as I found out uh, the lead singer of Blink One Eighty Two is like huge into aliens, I'm like, oh wait, yeah, I love that band. <laughs> I really like them now. And I haven't thought oh, about them Angels in like no, he, no, not that band. No, he quit Blink One Eighty Two again because he had to. He had more important UFO work to do. No, that's really what happened. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> I I can be okay with Blink One Eighty Two one not happening because of that. All right, coming up in science news, is the universe conscious? Yes. Yes. Some of the world's most renowned scientists are questioning whether the universe is a living entity that can think and feel and move at will. Okay. Uh, The notion of a conscious universe sounds more like the stuff of late-night TV than academic journals. Called by its formal academic name, though, panpsychism, it turns out to have prominent supporters in a variety of fields. Hmm. New York University philosopher and cognitive scientist... David Chalmers is a proponent. Why do I know that name? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, so too are neuroscientists Christoph Koch and Coke. Or is it Coke? Coke and Alan of the Allen Institute for Brain Scientists and British physicist Sir Roger Penrose. I recognize that name too. Yeah, I guess they're famous scientists. Sir Roger Penrose. Yeah, that's mm. a damn good name. It's yeah, an I excellent mean, name. British people have some pretty good names. Yeah, Let's well, they can that. get that Sir title. We can't get that over here. No. I can I give you. It. I'll give you the Sir title. Oh, no, well, we thank need you. it from a real Sir, queen. Sir, Sir. Uh, renowned for his work on gravity and black holes, the bottom line, Matloff argues, is that panpsychism is too important to ignore. It's all very speculative, but it's something that we can check and either validate or falsify, he says. Three decades ago, Penrose introduced a key element of panpsychism with his theory that consciousness is rooted in the statistical rules of quantum physics as they apply in the microscopic spaces between neurons in the brain. Yep, that's too hard to think about. Ah. So there's spots in between the neurons that are firing in your brain, and, and that's, that's where, where he thinks your consciousness yeah. lies. Oh, okay. okay. So in that, in that empty space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. In 2006, German physicist uh, Bernard Hasch, known both for his studies of active stars and his openness to unorthodox science, took Penrose's idea a big step further. 
Hosh proposed that the quantum fields that permeate all of empty space, the so-called quantum vacuum, produce and transmit consciousness, which then emerges in any sufficiently complex system with energy flowing through it. And not just a brain, but potentially any physical structure. So like a tree? So Yeah. Just to give... Like everything, the idea is that everything has consciousness is that... In some form. Yeah. yeah. Just to give this guy credence, because I feel like just talking about it doesn't... You know, it, it could be any person. This guy has won... Which guy are you talking about? Uh, Penrose. Okay. He's won the Adams Prize, the Heinemann Prize, Fellow of the Royal Society. I'm not Eddington even smart enough Medal, to know what those prizes are. Royal Medal, Wolf Prize, Direct Medal, Naylor Prize in Lectureship, De Morgan Medal, and Copley Medal. He's known for Twister Theory, Spin Network, Geometry of Space Time, Cosmic Censorship, Whale Curvature Hypothesis, and he has hypotheses named after himself. Uh, i.e. Penrose inequalities. Penrose interpretation of quantum mechanics. Yeah, those are his ideas. Okay, so he's he's definitely a smart guy. Yeah, just to name a few. It goes fucking on. This guy is smart. Is this isn't bullshit. Like So so Matloff wondered if there was a way to take these uh, squishy arguments and put them to an observational test. One of the hallmarks of life is its ability to adjust its behavior in response to stimulus. Matloff begins searching for astronomical objects that unexpectedly exhibit this behavior. Recently, he zeroed in on a little studied anomaly in stellar motion known as Parengo's discontinuity. 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 Jesus. On average, cooler stars orbit our galaxy more quickly than hotter ones do. Most astronomers attribute this effect to interactions between stars and gas clouds throughout the galaxy. Matloff considered a different explanation. He noted that the anomaly appears in stars that are cool enough to have molecules in their atmospheres, which greatly increase their chemical complexity. So, they're more complex, and they start doing things... Yeah, because not as much shit is burning on them. Mm. Right. So, Matloff noted further that some stars appear to emit jets that point in only one direction. An unbalanced process that could cause a star to alter its motion. He wondered, could this actually be a willful process? Is there any way to tell? If Perengo's discontinuity is caused by specific conditions within the galaxy, it should vary from location to location. But if it is something intrinsic to the stars, as consciousness would be, it should be the same everywhere. Data from existing uh, stellar catalogs seem to support the latter view, Matloff claims. Uh, detailed results from the Gaia Star Mapping Space Telescope due in 2018 will provide a more stringent test. Oh, so we'll find out more pretty soon then. Yeah, next year we'll find out if more of these things are doing, like, basically basically what he wants to do is to test if these space anomalies, if they're not anomalies, but if they're stars doing a conscious movement. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Matloff is under no illusion that his colleagues will be convinced, but he remains upbeat. Shouldn't we at least be checking? Maybe we can move panpsychism from philosophy to observational astrophysics. See, that's what I like. Like, if you come up with a weird theory, you shouldn't. Sh people shouldn't shoot it down. You'd be like, well, shouldn't we at least check? That's yeah. the thing. Everything that we believe to be true now was once a weird theory. I mean, shit, there's still assholes that say that... Like viruses. Well, like viruses or, uh, you know, there's still assholes that are like flat earthers. You know, like, 
Yeah. I, I not mm. I don't want to bring that back up again, but like everything mm. has been a theory at some point, like and the, not like in the scientific terms. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I mean, but real but real scientists have a theory and then they pursue it. They pursue it. And then if it's false, it's false. If it's true, it's true, you know? The problem with it is... That's how we move on. Yeah, yeah. but the problem is that scientists will somehow sometimes have an idea, but they won't get the funding to pursue it because it seemed silly. And that's a problem. I think that, you know, give these great minds the funding to pursue things that they really feel are valid, and let's see what comes out Instead of it. Instead of just jockeying political favor for money right like they have to do nowadays Mm -hmm. so uh yeah so i think that's pretty interesting the idea and we've heard that from um uh encounters uh with extraterrestrials people's encounters like not abductions but like uh you know like the space brothers and stuff like Mm -hmm. certain of those entities have told people that like what we're in right now is like similar to like a giant entity and we're just living inside of that the same way that, like, atoms live inside of us. I, yeah. yeah, I forget. Shit. I forget the... It was Men in Black. ...specific story. No, it wasn't Men in Black. Fuck you. I forget the specific story, but there was a lady who was vi- visited by an astral being, and it took her out of her body, and it showed her the world and everything from a cosmic distance. Right. And then she's like, oh, everything's so small, the earth is so small, blah, 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 blah. And so it it went on to say, well, actually, let me show you the inverse. And so he takes her through the inverse and... The further down you go, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same. It's just all this one giant thing. And that's kind of... I mean, those ideas definitely match up with this yeah and it's that story has been told a thousand times over it's not but it sounds crazy until award-winning scientists start looking into it yeah it sounds like like fantasy until someone this is notable looks into it let's see if it's true yeah uh here's a uh new set of footage this is the georgia bigfoot footage Wanted to show you guys this. In 2010, a nine-year-old boy from Georgia had been reporting seeing a large and hairy creature with primate features roaming in the woods near his neighborhood. One day, he said he was finally able to capture the animal on video as he watched a patch of woods from his kitchen window. The alleged creature exhibited a brown uniform color, a cone-shaped head, and a compliant gait. What does that mean? I don't know. There were also gray pads on the bottom of its feet. The incident was uh, captured on an HD flip camera. Remember those were popular? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> they, they, they were a popular thing before s- camera phones got good. Okay. Yeah, they were like basically like the size of a phone, but a camera. Yeah. It was the proto-go phone. Okay. Or not GoPro. Yeah. So here's the video uh, below. Am I casting this to you guys? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you are. Okay, so let's take a look. I want to show you guys the footage, and then I also want to. Uh, I also want to then listen to the reactions on the tape. Hmm. We can't do both of that at once. So, all right. So we're looking. This is a view from it's out of the kitchen window. Oh shit! And he can see the thing. I don't see it. Yeah, that's a thing. It's right up Point in at the it, clearing there in the woods. Oh. Let me back Why it up. Why are you looking at the water? Oh, well, because he's a nine-year-old. 
Oh, is it? oh okay. Yeah. Oh, there. Okay, yeah, I see it. That's it's definitely, definitely a giant thing creature. And then it kind of just, just like behind oh, that tree slips away. I mean, and then oop, there it goes again. Back. Damn these shaky cams! Is it still there, there he is up there. Yeah, he's oh, yeah, walking. He's still there. Walking back down the path. He's like. Yeah, this kid. Somebody needs to buy this kid a tripod. Jesus Christ! Well, this kid's like eighteen. Or now. an iPhone. <laughs> so. Yeah. Doesn't he know about three points of contact? That's nope. How you, nope. No, he definitely doesn't. Nope. Again, eight. Again, eight. He's still eight. I mean, it looks like <laughs> yeah. it looks like a thing. I mean, it could have been a person dressed in all black. It's really hard to say. We're on our back. It's hard to call that Bigfoot. Bigfoot when it could have been literally anything, anything bipedal. Well, if you take into account that he's like you know been observing this thing for weeks, you know, and Before and, and obviously he it. can he can see it better from his kitchen window than we can see it through the camera lens too. But this is an eight-year-old we're talking about, right? Right. Yeah. So, and cameras back then weren't uh, that good of quality either. So it's like, yes, he's been viewing it for weeks, but he's also eight. Here's so. the here's the reaction. Oh, here's creep. We gotta hear creepy music first. Always the creepy music. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here's Bigfoot. We got him on camera. We got him! We got him! Hey, Bigfoot! He's shouting at Bigfoot. You know, actually, watching this video when he kind of moves away, you actually realize how far back that path in the woods is. Yeah, it's I mean, really you know, far away. It, that, that's a huge being. I'm not denying that. I'm just... Mm. Most likely Bigfoot, though. It, it could be. It could be. Lauren the skeptic. I'm, I, I'm only a skeptic because I want it to be so real, but I don't want to be let down. And it true. like it breaks my heart every time I find out it's false. It's true. She cries herself to sleep at night. Every I do time. sometimes. It's true. State trooper claims Bigfoot is real. I speak with them. Okay. All right. I trust cops. So. In Washington, a former Michigan state trooper says he regularly sees and feeds Bigfoot-like creatures in the Cascade Range of Washington Those State. Are bears. What does he feed him? What does he feed him? Tell me what he feeds them. Those sir are bears. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the 64-year-old man who provided a full name and state trooper badge number but asked to remain anonymous told Cryptozoology News on Tuesday that he has been seeing the creatures since 2010. It usually happens at night, 3 a.m., but sometimes during the day, he claims. That's the same year the Georgia thing happened, too. 2010? Yeah. Yeah, the, the sightings he had adds frequently last hours as the creatures follow him. Is that the same area, is it? Well, yeah, that's no. kind of Bigfoot country up in Washington. Well, yeah, that's in Washington. The other one was in Georgia. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, they follow me now when I'm in their area after I've left them food. They always follow uphill in my blind spot like a soldier does. Sometimes they just stand away from me and look at me. Can you tell... I, see, this is something I don't know. Can If you're walking behind someone... Can you tell where their blind spot is? Sure, that's something that people train to do, yeah. Usually it's, really? It's, yeah, usually it's like right behind their shoulder. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. It's yeah. like it's just out of your peripheral vision, so like right here. Okay. I so can't pretty see my damn hand. Close. Even if I look, I can't see my hand. 
Okay. So it's like just out of your line of sight. All right. So that's really fucking close, yeah, like, though, right? Yeah, like right behind your shoulder. Ugh. Yeah. All well, right. I mean, they're not that close, but I mean, they're at that angle. That, that, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, the former law enforcement says he officer says he speaks to them in a language similar to Native American Salish. So I don't know he how he knows this. Makes racist noises. Yeah, of actually, I, um, that area, the the Salish have a big um, reservation up there. Okay. So it's not inconceivable that he knows some of it. The last time there uh, were three other people with me. Uh, they heard whoops, and then a large rock lands forty feet away from us. Then brush crashing. Then one individual, seven feet tall, a hundred feet away, looking over three feet tall. Uh, others with me observed that one. I approached and spoke in Native American Salish. Come here, friend. A female individual stepped from behind a tree 30 feet from me, looked at me, and then smiled shyly and stepped back behind the tree, the man said. And then she gave a wink. Yeah, she was like, hey, hey. sailor. Uh, but the uh, the whoops and the rocks, that's all Yeah, that's kind of normal stuff. Yeah. Uh, the alleged female primate, he explains, was approximately six feet tall and weighing around 200 pounds. So it's a skinny one. Built? S- skinny bitch. Mm. It's for Bigfoot. All know. right, yeah. She's, she's kind of small for a six Bigfoot. Six feet, 200. That's, that's a good ratio, though. It's a good size, yeah. yeah. So she probably looks good. Uh, yeah. It reportedly had dark hair on a human face, medium female breasts with light gray skin around that area, and dark fingernails. So she had some boobies. Oh, medium. Boobies, she had her nails Medium, did. It's a good size. Medium, it's, yeah, they're nice s- so, solid yeah. tits. Yeah, solid. solid tits. Like the in the I wish there. he was quoted as saying, she so, had solid she tits. She had solid tits. She had a nice pair of hair. They're hangers. a little light gray. Uh, she smiled at me and had very white teeth. Ooh, sexy. He also claims that he feeds them different types of food, such as candy bars and fruit. How the fuck would Bigfoot have very white teeth? It pisses me off, because... It's really hard to keep white teeth. It's all that clean living. They're, yeah. they're not smoking cigarettes. Nope. You've seen our cats. They're teeth. not drinking He's got coffee. White teeth. Does he? Yeah. yeah, the cat never brushes his teeth. The te- those what those the are fuck? pearly white. Shadow's teeth yeah. are nice and white. This is bullshit. Why do I have well, to work so they hard? They give uh, Shadow biscuits. That's what cleans his teeth. Mm. Oh, I need biscuits. Yeah, but I think in the wild, they're not supposed to get all gross, you know? I so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just eat some stuff that's good for them. I guess. Or maybe their teeth are just better than ours. They might be. That would make more sense. <laughs> I do not seek them, only furnish them with food when in the area so they will leave me alone. I do not want any problems with them, only a relationship based on mutual respect for each other. They seem very intelligent, and I have heard them speak to each other a couple of times. Okay. I believe it. When Cryptozoology News asked about the photographic evidence, the man said that these creatures are very shy and hide as soon as he brings out a camera, which I also have heard and believe. Do you think they know what a camera is? Uh, if you hold up anything in front of your face, they will hide. I don't know. My dog knows what a gun is. Yeah. He doesn't like it. I know. He know. I know. He does. He doesn't. He doesn't like even if I take it out to clean it. He, maybe, he knows it's bad. But maybe it's like maybe it's like a weird thing. that's like obscuring the face. Oh, he says freaks he's got, them out. Uh, like body cam stuff. Yeah. The former trooper says he now has a small equipment that he can attach to his clothes and will be trying to get footage of the unproven creatures soon. That's a that's a cool tactic. I like that. Cop with a body cam. Yeah. I'm trying to get them to come into my camp and attempt to communicate up close to them. If I'm able to do that, then I will be able to capture it on video, he said. Nice. In 2015, another state trooper from the area made a similar statement. Following that article, another man claiming to be a law enforcement or- 
officer working in the isolated areas of Washington State contacted Cryptozoology News, hoping to get in contact with the original eyewitness of the story. The man provided his full name and maintained to have had Bigfoot encounters that he says wishes, he wishes to keep to himself. He did not Sexy. elaborate on the purported creature. So this guy... Huh. After hearing about an article on here, he was like, well, I'm a cop. Maybe I want to talk to this guy, but I don't want any publicity at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just want to talk to him. I don't yeah. even want to tell you anything. So that like that kind of validates it. It's like, no, I'm not even going to tell you my story. Oh, well, he definitely fucked one. That's how that goes. No, I mean, that's the first I mean, place your mind goes. Well, but maybe no, he's just friends with them. No, Can't you no, just be friends with no, a Bigfoot? No, with, with cryptids, UFOs, and ghosts. Either you want to tell everyone that you fucked one, or you don't want to say a word. It's like, that's where it goes. No, Lauren, that's Lauren's fetish is, is people fucking, so she doesn't <laughs> believe... That's a fetish. That, that's no, a fetish. No, no, no. She doesn't believe it's in friendship, because she's like, oh, they're they're talking to each other? Yeah, they're going to fuck. <laughs> I, I do get hopeful. Yeah. I so like, I, I think that's I like an interesting love. story. I, I like these cohabitation that got, stories. Oh, that one feels like it's got more truth in it than the other stories. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this one I feel good about. I hope. I hope that his uh, body cam stuff pans out. Yeah. Wouldn't that be the best way to convince all cops to wear body cams? This is Bigfoot's real. You might prove Bigfoot's this real. This was posted on May sixteenth. Yeah. Year? So it's yeah. It's not that long ago. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's a uh, I, I think it's pretty interesting. I wouldn't be surprised though if these creatures were intelligent enough to know that he's wearing a body cam. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, maybe. If they I just no wouldn't idea. come around if he's if he has a camera on him at all. Because or odd electrical activity? Maybe maybe they can sense odd ele- odd electrical activity depen- or something. It depends because on they, how you they, feel about Bigfoot. They could, because if Bigfoot's real and he's like a physical creature animal or type of person living in the forest he is very very good at avoiding trail camps because there's trail camps everywhere now yeah. they're cheap you know they're like uh, what are they like 30 bucks a piece or something Probably yeah not even yeah, a bunch, yeah. Of, a bunch of people have them up in search of big well, i mean we know that animals there are animals that can sense electrical currents and shit like that sharks do it there are animals that can create electrical currents. well uh, the, the one guy uh who's in the book uh what was it called enoch that i read hmm uh, he explained trail cameras and just cameras in general. Uh, the 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 way he explained it was that like imagine if you go into your bedroom, right? Okay. You go into your bedroom and somebody has moved the lamp two feet on your dresser. Now, like nobody else would notice that, but because you live there, that's such an intimate space for you. You would notice any little change in You're two so seconds. You're so familiar, yeah. So it's like they're so familiar with these woods. It's like any. Any branch broken that if wasn't broken that before, shy. or yeah, expect and and maybe they're that cautious. Well, maybe they have to be that cautious if they're real, you know. Yeah, or so that's only that's only if you're seeing Bigfoot as a purely physical, regular being. But if you see Bigfoot as possibly a, like a multi-dimensional. Well, if he's magic, then all bets are off. You well, know, yeah, we're never gonna find him. But yeah, if he's magic or something, but then it would be more. I would feel that it would be more likely that, like, maybe they do have some sort of sensory thing for electricity, yeah, or some so, sort of chemical in the camera. Or so whatever. if you're, yeah, if you're walking down the path and you have a cell phone in your pocket, they can maybe feel you coming a mile away. Yeah. And so, so everyone, searching for Bigfoot, make sure you go alone. You don't tell anybody. You don't bring a cell phone. You don't bring a camera. 
But then you can't just prove in it. case. But then you can't prove it. You can prove it to yourself. That's all. That yeah, you can prove it to true. yourself. <sighs> that seems to be the way that people prove it is that they just they go and they see it and they're like, okay, well that's proof. But Ugh, nobody else is gonna. It believe hurts it. my heart that way though because there needs to be there needs to be a what is it a smoking gun on this bitch like a real one. Maybe eventually. Well, they'll probably prove their existence someday, and they'll be like, yeah, and this was a creature that lived up until 2023 <laughs> before we killed the environment, and uh, they all became extinct. Oh, God. Global warming <laughs> is the reason we find out about Bigfoot. Yeah, we just find, we their, find their bodies. bodies. Oh, that, that's, that that's hurts. That's kind of depressing. Damn, that's, that's very kind of depressing. depressing. That's kind of depressing, but if it's a real creature, that's probably the most likely scenario. scenario. Right. We'll discover it after it's extinct. Okay, PSA, everyone needs to start recycling right the fuck now. Save, Save Bigfoot. Bigfoot. All right, moving on to paranormal stuff. Uh, we have uh, top 10 real-life wizards of the world. Yeah! That wizard came from Put the me moon. on the list. Put me on the list. Put me on the list. Put me Number on the 10, list. Lauren Lance. Yeah! Is a muggle. Aww. Aww. No, number 10, this is actually a Harry Potter one. I'll Chromecast it over to you. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. We can take turns reading these. Oh, uh, are you excited, excited about the new Harry Potter movie? Oh, what? well. The Voldemort one? No, Harry Potter and the Witch's Tit. You're such an <laughs> asshole. Here, Lauren, you can start with this one because it's Harry Potter. Thing. I am excited about this one. Okay, number 10, Nicholas Flamel. Most Harry Potter fans would know this name. He was the French wizard who created the Philosopher's Stone and was over 600 years old when he knew Dumbledore. Of course, this is just a book and a movie. In real life, Flamel was known to have been involved in alchemy. Researchers have written that Flamel indulged in the dark arts while he was traveling to Santiago de Compostela. After he became a wizard, people noticed that Flamel and his wife became extremely wealthy and they concluded that he used his magical powers to do so. While the truth is not really known, people say that his wealth comes from the two shops he owned and ran from his wife's inheritance. Nicholas Femel died in the year 1418, but his story is still being told today, which you can check right here. Oh, I... There's a link there. Yeah, you didn't have there's to... There's a link there. You didn't have to read that part. There's, um, there's a pretty good movie. I mean, it's a fictional movie, but it's based on Nicholas Flamel called As Above, So Below. It's this doesn't seem like magic, though. I heard two shops yeah. and an inheritance. Yeah. That sounds like he's just a successful businessman. Well, Nicholas Hamel <laughs> was known for... It's the Donald Trump of the 1700s. Yeah, no, he was known for alchemic... Got a good inheritance, became a successful shop runner. And that's all it was. He was known for alchemic writings, but, I mean, shit, if he owned a good shop, he owned a good shop. So, maybe he was here's, doing both and the shop was really the thing here's that panned a out. Rabbi Chaim Samuel Jacob Falk was born in Germany in the year 1708 but fled to London in fright of being burnt to death. As for being a Jew? Something's never know, changed. For being a wizard or a Jew, it doesn't say. Uh, he entered London in the 1940s. Wait, what? Wait. Hold on. Fled to, wait. He entered London in the 1940s, and he was instantly known as the Baal Shem of London because of his impressive mystic skills. That's got to be the 1740s. I think they 1740s. meant to say 1740s. I think it's a typo. I hope so. If not, this guy's definitely an immortal wizard. <laughs> yeah, if we've got like almost 200 years going here, he's a wizard. Uh, he had impressive mystic skills. Apparently he could move objects with his mind, and he even once filled a cellar with coal by using a few incantations. So that's I, I have heard about uh, him doing that trick a long time ago. It has also been said that the rabbi saved the great synagogue in London from a fire just by writing a few words in Hebrew on the pillars. 
He even gave a magical ring to the Duke of Orleans to ensure that the succession to the throne would remain within the family. The ring was handed down to the Duke's son, who eventually became French King Louis Philippe. Hmm. Ah. So yeah, I, I have heard about that trick. I, I forget what it was. Uh, uh, apparently, somebody didn't have coal for the winter, and he did like an incantation, and then their cellar was filled to well, the brim. That was nice of him. That is very so nice. He was a good man. wizard. You want to try this one, Mike? Sure. Paracelsus. Born in 1493 as Philippus Aurelius Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohen. God, that's a hell of a name. That sounds like a name you would make up. Yeah, okay. It sounds like something you would name a cat. Born in 1493 as Philippus Aureolus Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohenheim. I'm definitely (coughs) naming my first kid. Their middle name is going to be Bombastus. Or our next cat. Paracelsus was a brilliant man who excelled in medicine, astrology, botany, and alchemy. He is the person who named zinc and is responsible for tracking the psychological roots to numerous illnesses. Paracelsus used astronomy along with his medicine to treat his patients and believed that in order for man to have good health, they had to be in harmony with nature. He developed the alphabet of the Magi, which is a magical language that calls upon spirits to help in healing process of patients. He became famous for his magical healing methods where he combined medicine, astronomy, and alchemy together to treat people in his own way. See, that's a that's a good doctor right there. Yeah. It's not just sticking with one thing. He's like, I'm going to try all this stuff. It's a little bit of everything. I'm God, gonna... That name, though. Jesus. I mean, a great man needs a great name, Mike. You're goddamn right. Ah. Jared, you want to read this one? Sure. Number seven. Number seven. Papus. Real-life wizards. Also known as Gerard Encasu and the Great Pappas, was born in the year 1865. Let's call him Louis Pappas from now on. Louis Pappa. Uh, He was an occult writer and even wrote many books on the dark arts, which he practiced regularly. In the year 1888, Pappa founded a occult group named the Kabbalistic Order of the Rose Crow. Kabbalistic. Kabbalistic like Order ca- of the, the Rose Crow. Like uh, that LaCroix water. Like the, the, I guess that's the Ro- Rosicrucians? Is that Rose what this is? Cor- it depends Rose, on where Rose Croy. And he spelled Kabbalistic with a K. Uh, while participating in his group, he was a part of other magic societies, such as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, Lauren's favorite thing ever, <laughs> and the Hermetic Brotherhood of Light. Never heard of that one. Uh, his biggest known magical outing was during the 1900s when he visited Tassania Alexandra, Tsar Nicholas II, Second. in Russia in 1905. When he visited the Russian family, he conjured the Tsar's father's spirit, who said that the throne would be lost to Nicholas II by an uprising of the people. He even said that the uprising would not happen as long as Papas is alive. How convenient for Pappas. Hmm. When the wizard died, Nicholas II was overthrown just 141 oh, days wow. later. Ooh, 141! Only days later. That's it's not even a year, so I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty close. Less than a year, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that's actually, pretty close. The way it's written... That's, a, that's how long it takes to deliver a letter yeah, back then. They should, have said, <laughs> they should have said less than a year. Well, like, Pappas that would have dead. been spooky. Well, look yeah. at this, though. 141... 14 minus 1 is 13. Yep. Ooh. Numerology. I just fucked you all. Spoopy. 
Hugh Draper. In the 1500s, Hugh Draper used to run an inn, but was caught and imprisoned in the Tower of London because it was rumored that he would indulge in sorcery. When he was questioned about it, he accepted that he was fond on magic, but he had burnt all of his alchemy books. While he was in the tower, he decided to add to the many drawings engraved by the previous prisoners. What he decided to add to the walls was something that took everyone by surprise. Surprise. He engraved a detailed astrological design and completed it with all the zodiac signs. He then wrote his name and the date, 30 May 1561. No one knew why he decided that date, but when the day came, he disappeared. He did not escape and did not uh, die in the prison or anywhere else in the city. People were convinced that he was a wizard. Oh, shit. Okay. So Maybe. he engraved this in and did like a, a very complex magical ritual and so disappeared it, himself. He, it's, a zodi it's the zodiac and then a chart within. So it shows where exactly the, um, the zodiac signs were in the sky at that particular point. Um, he probably figured out that he could jump to like a different dimension. On I don't, that day, I have in no the tower. idea what he could have figured out, but it it does. You'd have to like, you'd have to be really good at astrology to figure out what he was trying to yeah, it's say a very with that. It's a diagram. very well, he did disappear, complicated so that's, chart. That's kind of crazy. Uh, you want me to take this one? Uh, let Lauren go. Okay. Yeah, it's my turn. Cornelius Agrippa. Often referred to as the greatest magician of this time, Agrippa was an outstanding writer. He wrote quite a few books on the workings of the dark... I love how they keep saying the dark arts. The dark arts and their uses. One of his most famous books is the Diaculta Philosophia Libra Tres, which roughly translates into three books of occult philosophy. Actually, I think that exactly translates into that. Yeah. Just say that. Yeah, just say that. <laughs> it was a book that showed a system of magic that worked on three levels. The natural magic, or alchemy, and astronomy, and the vocal magic, or the summoning of spirits. That's... That's two. That's two. All right, whatever. He believed and wrote that all magic was rooted in divine work. Agrippa studied the occult and, it, and its functioning and practic practiced it to a point where he wrote about summoning spirits to get rid of pests around the house. Although Agrippa was a powerful wizard, he finally gave it up around 1530. He was sure that studying and believing in the occult would take him to hell. He even warned readers in his last book about using these powers, but why he suddenly decided to leave the dark arts remains a mystery. Maybe he saw something he shouldn't have. Ooh. Oh, John D. I like this guy, actually. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, John D. D. was both a mystical and a scientific advisor to England's Queen Elizabeth I. And royal diddler. Yes, he was official diddler of the UK. <laughs> He was a very intelligent man who took to studying every field he could get his hands on. He published a book called Monus Hieroglyphica, which was a glyph that represented creation and its unity. Soon after his theoretical take on the spirit world, he wanted more and looked for a way to connect with the spirits directly. It was then that Dee met Edward Talbot, later to be known as Edward Kelly. Kelly was a close partner and sorcerer to Dee, and they both traveled Europe displaying their magical skills to royalty. In the year 1587, Kelly told Dee that he had spoken to the angels, and they told him that the duo needed to share each other's wives. John Dee then left Edward. <laughs> He's like, ah, yeah, go fuck yourself, dude. John Dee then left Edward and returned back to England after hearing this and became a warden in Manchester at Christ College. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I talked to the angels, and he said that we need to have his sex with each other's wives. You know, it's, it's pretty fucking, like... It's one thing to swing, but I but I think it's really shitty if people say that you know the angels say that you should do it or whatever. Yeah. 
I I like the fact that John D was like, no fuck you. <laughs> yeah. If you want to fuck my wife, just say so. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, you're weird. Yeah, you're being weird about this. God told me we should fuck each other's wives. That's, that makes it weird. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's what cult leaders always do. Uh, Edward Talbot, also known as Edward Kelly Talbot, was a close friend and accomplice to John Dee. They both spent a few years in Europe sharing their love for magic. Not their wives. Yeah, Kelly was believed to have uh, created Enochian, a magical alphabet. He even claimed that he used a crystal ball to speak to spirits. Unlike John Dee, who put more faith in theoretical magic, Kelly was a believer in alchemy. He discovered a magical book in the uh, 1580s called Book of Dustan. The book apparently had a spell that could turn any metal into gold by using a magic red powder. When the pair of D and Kelly split up, Kelly remained in Europe and continued to work with alchemy. Willem Rosberg, a Bohemian count, gave Kelly many estates, and in the year 1590, King Rudolf II knighted the alchemist. Sadly, the king arrested him in the year 1591 for murder, but rumors say his arrest was because the king wanted him to turn metal to gold for him. When Kelly agreed, he was released, but in the year 1595, he was arrested again because he went back on his promise. He was finally imprisoned in the Naven Castle until he could turn metal into gold. He probably just tried to fuck everyone's wives. So yeah, he was trying to bang everybody's wives by saying he could turn metal into gold, and angels did it. And then when they finally put him to the test, he was like, ah, crap, I can't do it. Damn, I fucked all these wives, and I've got no gold to show for it. (laughs) All right. Eliaphas Levi. Eliphas. Eliphas. Levy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elephus Levy. Elephus Levy. If we read about Victorian age magic, Elephus Levy's name is bound to come up. He was the man who wrote Transcendental Magic, its doctrine and ritual, which was the biggest influence on many occult societies around the world. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was one of the many societies that based its functioning on this very book. He began his magical work in the year 1853 when he met Edward Bueller. Leighton. Bueller? <laughs> Bueller? Leighton was an author who introduced uh, Levy to Rosicrucianism, a secret, magi- secret magical society based in medieval Germany. He introduced tarot cards and gave them the importance they have today, as well as associating the inverted pentacle to evil and the upright one to good. His biggest work was that he introduced the three basic principles of magic around the Victorian age. They were that the human willpower could achieve both ordinary and miraculous feats, that what we see in the materialistic universe is just one part of reality, and that a human person is a reflection of the universe on a tiny level and that they are linked, and if they act as one, the other could be affected as well. I don't feel he didn't introduce those ideas. Those uh, ideas he popularized come, those he ideas. He popularized those ideas. Those ideas come straight from the Golden Dawn and Rosencrucianism. So yeah, he so, popularized them, but nah. I'll let you take this last one, Lauren, because I know it's your favorite. Oh uh, yeah, jack off this guy all the time. <laughs> Alistair Crawley. This man was named as the wickedest man in the world, and for good reason. He was the biggest occultist in the world and shaped the way modern occultists work with magic. He was very interested in alchemy, and he later joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn in the year 1998. He believed in bisexuality. Woo! 
too, which gave him a reputation and helped him rise to the ranks in the Hermetic Order. Oh, I didn't know that that helped. That's a good thing to know. Helps to bang people. Yeah, helps to bang people. His beliefs and... How did you not know that? I just didn't... (laughs) I I didn't think it would work for the Hermetic Order, but that's cool. His beliefs and functioning was the root cause of the feuds between the London and French branches of the Order. He soon left the society and started his own occult group. He founded the AA in 1907 which was a society that was based on Thelemic beliefs that he had formed. He claimed that he was given instructions from Iowas, who was the messenger of Horus. Apparently, this messenger told him that he was a New Age prophet. His society started the law, Do What Thou Wilt. And he then settled in Sic- Sicily. Crowley, was not, Crowley not only conjured spirits from ancient Egypt, he was involved in the regression of death and claimed to recover memories from his previous life as Eliphas Levi. So, it's funny how it all comes back. Yeah, yeah, so he said his previous life he was the number two guy. Yeah. Okay. And before that he was the number three guy. And before that, yeah, so it's Which, all, this is all the same guy. If he was going to come He's back... He's trying to bang everybody's wives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was John D. Yeah. John D was the one... He was not having that shit. Yeah. He was John D's wife. The, I, think the, the, <laughs> I think the great thing about, like... Alistair Crawley is like, yeah, he was trying to bang everyone's wives too, but he was just like, hey, let's just do it because it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he was more upfront about it. it. It's, it, you know, love is the law, love under will. Uh, I want to love and fuck you. That's Still. what he wanted to do. But if he was going to be anyone, I think Eliphas Levi does make sense because Crawley's ideas are just condensed ideas from these er- earlier. Yeah. Hermetic Order, Kabbalah, Rosencrucianism, and that's kind of what Eliphas did. So, same person, really. All right, real life wizards. That's that's actually wizards. That wizard came from the moon. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about black eyed kids. You're alone. In the middle of the night, the phone rings. It's someone you don't know. Or worse yet, it is someone you know. And they're dead. Things have just gotten... Spoopy. 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 Too spooky. Every morning, I wake up and there are scratches on my face. I went to the doctor, but he told me it was just me scratching my face in my sleep. I wrapped my fingers in bandages, but when I woke up the next morning, there were more scratches still. Tonight, I'm going to figure it out. Tonight, I'm going to stay awake with my eyes closed and see what's actually happening. It's really hard to stay awake and look like you're sleeping all night. I'm learning that. So far, nothing has happened. It's about three in the morning, and I'm thinking I might just give up. Wait, what was that? I think I hear my door opening. I can barely hear it, but it sounds like someone's whispering something. What's it saying? Just a taste? It's getting closer, and I can hear it better now. It keeps saying, just a taste, over and over. Holy fuck, I'm so scared. I couldn't move a muscle, even if I wanted to. I can tell it's right above me now. Fuck, 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 fuck. What do I do? There's something touching my face lightly. It felt cold and hard like a knife. Just a taste. Just a taste. It's moving down my skin so slowly. I know that if I move or open my eyes, it's going to kill me right here in my bed. 
just a taste. The knife is gone now. Should I peek and see what it is? I open my eyes just a bit. Not enough to be noticed, but just enough to see a silhouette. Fuck. That thing can't be human. Why did I ever try this? It's licking the knife. No, that's not a knife. It's the tip of its hand. Oh, fuck, what is this thing? Oh, thank God, it's turning around. Is that a fucking tail? It's moving so slowly. Move faster, you bastard. And stop saying that. It's finally in the hallway. It turned around to close the door, and as it peeked through while shutting the door, it just said, just a taste for now. Now, uh, you guys, we, we've talked about the black-eyed kid phenomenon on the show before, but I don't think we really got too much into detail. Not as a before. full feature. I think we only talked about it tangentially to something else. Yeah, yeah. I think we were talking about like a fake, fake kind or a something like that, or something and like, like that. vaguely so mentioned. Black-eyed them. kids is a phenomenon that uh, it happens all over the world. It happens. Uh, it's, there's a lot of reported cases every year, even though uh, skeptics claim that it's all just hoaxes. It's all like creepy pastas or Come on, not spoopies, if you will. Hoax. Spoopies. Yeah. When when you're getting into you know this many cases a year, then it, it really seems like there's something going on. Uh, I think I saw we saw black eyed kids when we were younger. So possibly. yeah, black when? Eyed, black eyed kids. Well, we'll get into that. Black eyed kids are uh, kids that have black eyes that uh, usually show up in like r- creepy like rural areas. Uh, they have usually like blue tinted or just very, very pale skin like that of a corpse. And those who report the encounters with them often feel that the children were somehow supernatural and extremely dangerous, though they could not explain why. And they're always trying to like get in your house or your car or whatever you're in. They're always asking you for something. They're always asking for something. Yeah. I mean, these kids can range in age, I think from six to like 16. Although there's been a few uh, reports of uh, black-eyed adults. Yeah. Although that could be easily explained through uh, injecting ink into your eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's a common practice for, uh, you know, people that... Are crazy? Are, well, not crazy. It's like like uh, people that are into, like, death metal and or stuff. Or tattoos or something. And tattoos and piercings and stuff. They'll Sometimes they can make their dye their eyes black. And Ted Nugent. That's one thing you can do. It's a thing that you could do. You could also get your tongue split in half, like a, like a snake's. Ugh. Yeah, I hate it when people do that. Yeah, I don't like when people do that. That's weird. Uh, yeah, you could do all sorts of weird stuff to your body. But So if it's an adult, <laughs> it could kind of make sense. You have to wonder, like, did they do this to themselves? That is part of... Uh, yeah, it's like, this is just a crazy person. Yeah, it might be just a crazy person who did it this way. But it's a... Uh, but when there's, like, shy children on on your doorstep that are, like, pale... And have these black eyes and speak. A lot of reports have them speaking like they're adults almost. Ugh. Like they don't have like the uh, the speech mannerisms of like kids. Yeah. They don't sound like kids. Their patter sounds more like adults. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, they occasionally even possess the voice of an adult too. They will usually attempt to talk the victim into allowing them entry into their home to use a telephone, or to be safe from some unspecified danger. Nope, fuck you, kid, go die. Occasionally, when seen outside of the home, they will immediately stop their play and stare at you, or, if possible, approach you, asking for a place to stay or trying to talk you into giving them a ride home. Nope. So they can often, uh, they can be seen playing games and singing the nursery songs Old Man Loglegs, or He Jumped Into a Bramble Bush. Wait, 
I've never heard either of those songs, and they both sound horrifying. Yeah, now, well, now old they're Old man long legs. Like, well, I don't even know what that would sound like. Old man long legs, blah, 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 blah. I don't even know where that would go. Yeah. Unless I was singing a song about maybe, like, I don't even know. I don't know. That sounds really fucking creepy. So uh, a lot of people also report uh, feeling like they're starting to be influenced by the kids. Like there's almost some sort of supernatural influence that's like making them feel like they want to give the kids what they ask, even uh, though they're terrified at the time. Yeah. Some kind of glamour, maybe? So, yeah, glamour. Some sort yeah, of mesmerization. So it's like, like, like all the reports, are like the people never just feel like, okay, these are just kids. They always feel weird about it, and they're not even sure why. And then, and then they also almost always give in. So it's it's that's a weird thing. Jared, see if you can look up uh, and find "Old Man Long Legs." See what that shit's about. I want to see what that sounds. Yeah, that like. song sounds really scary. Yeah. So right now we're just gonna do uh, like s- just some encounters from Black Eyed Kids, so we can give our theories. Uh, Lauren, you can start if you want. You have a. Uh, so, uh, I got this one post, uh, this guy or girl, I don't know who it was, but it was a user, um, Chimera King, uh, Chimera King on the R Paranormal subreddit, and they were asking for encounters with black-eyed children, adults, and beasts. The most upvoted comment in this thread is from a trucker. And it reads as, and it's from um, Magusta Mikey. This is four years ago. Magusta Mikey writes, I had one incident that happened to me last summer while I was driving a semi over the road. I had just pulled into a truck stop inside Billings, Montana. I fueled up, parked the truck in the back of the lot. There are not many truck stops out west. Uh, those that they have are unbelievably huge. Then went inside, showered, etc., Come nightfall, I ran out of the of the movies to watch my in my truck. I had to wait 34 hours before I could drive the truck again, legally. So I decided on going into the casino that was built inside the truck stop. I was playing slots and a beautiful American Indian girl was serving drinks. After quite a few drinks, I started chatting with her on a more personal level. She told me that her shift ended in a few hours and that she would be behind the truck stop with a case of beer if it felt like partying. Ooh, partying. I did. I started filling out of the, filing out of the doors. I went around back to meet her. I couldn't find her. But I found an older Mexican woman who seemed to know my name and acted as if I had just been talking to her inside. I was buzzed, but not drunk or stupid. I knew this wasn't the same person. What also struck me as odd is that she had no personal belongings besides the clothes on her back. No purse or key ring, nothing. I started to feel a little tripped out because of this. Began to act like I didn't know her and didn't want anything to do with her. She became cold and stopped trying to talk to me. Okay, well that was freaking weird. Here's the totally screwed part. I walk all the way back out, of, out to my truck climb in the back, change into my sleepwear, and laid on the bunk to reread a book. Only a few minutes later into the book, I hear three loud bangs on the side of my sleeper. I'm talking, holy crap, your truck's on fire, you have to get out now, loud. I opened the curtains and rolled down the window and saw the young American Indian woman I had been speaking with was standing next to my truck. I immediately picked up something wrong about her. 
wasn't her lack of speech, odd, disheveled look, or rigid body movements. It was her eyes that got to me. Solid black. I could say that the dark night coupled with a few drinks could not make me think her eyes were black. But I'm not. When I hit a switch in the back of my truck, the inside lights up like a baseball stadium. Her eyes seemed to be pulling the light into them, like miniature black holes. It reminded me of when a woman wearing mascara cries and she kind of looks like a raccoon afterwards. It looks like she rubbed charcoal around her eyes. It also felt like my body was acting of its own accord. My body was screaming at my fragile psyche to open the door and let her into my truck, despite the fact that she looked freaking terrifying and hadn't said a single word to me since meeting her again. I remember having to choke out the word, no. It reminded me of when you're on the verge of tears, but you choke through them to speak to someone. That's how the word, no, felt when it was passing my lips. I was too damn terrified to look out my side vents to see if she was still standing outside. I was too terrified that I might have ended up looking back into the darkness, only to know, in my mind's eye, that she could be staring right back at me. I've got the shakes just from remembering that. Oh well, I don't need sleep, just more coffee. And that's from... Magusta Mikey, four years ago. Uh, that's so terrifying. That yeah. is terrifying. Um, was he soliciting... A young girl, and now he's just claiming it's an adult. It's it probably doesn't a kid. Say. Probably was a well, kid. She worked at the casino. Well, she, she worked there. Well, I'm accusing this guy of being a pedophile. I don't even know him. Yeah, so. no. He he says specifically that she was working in the casino, and they had been talking for a while, and she was serving him drinks. So, yeah, definitely over eighteen in appearance, at least. That probably wasn't the same person that knocked on his truck, though. It just looked like her. Well, the person that he... The, it's weird because we have the original Native American woman, and then we have the old lady, the old Mexican lady, Yeah. and then we have the Native American woman again. My theory is that they're all the same. It's one entity, and... It's just shape-shifting or shape appearing shifting, different. Yeah. Trying to fuck with this guy. Fucking with him for whatever reason. Uh, this one's called The Black-Eyed Kids and the Marine. <clears throat> Jody Fontaine was a Marine stationed at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina when he had a disturbing encounter with some black-eyed kids. When an encounter is enough to scare a Marine, you have to wonder exactly what is behind it. Jody lived on the third floor of the infantry barracks, which were set up like a typical motel with open walkways along the outside of the buildings and rooms on the inside. Trying to get some rest after a long, hard day, Jody was watching a movie and dozing intermittently. It was the weekend, but he was home because he was too broke to go out. Half asleep, there was a knock on the door, so he stumbled across the dark room, expecting to see his roommate at the door, especially since he was notorious for forgetting his keys and arriving home quite drunk. When Jody swung open uh, the door, instead of seeing his tall, olive-skinned roommate, he looked down and saw a pair of children. He immediately thought it was odd for two little kids to be standing outside his door on the third-floor walkway in the middle of the night. Jody said, as Marines, they have been taught to always listen to that little voice in your head that warns you. It can save your life. That little voice he had learned to trust was, as he put it, screaming at him to close the door. His first instinct was terror. A most unusual reaction to a couple of kids. 
As he stood there for a moment trying to make sense of the emotions he was experiencing, he noticed something most disconcerting about the children. Their eyes were completely black, no color, no white, just darkness. Jody ignored the voice in his head and asked the children what they were doing out at that time of night. It's really cold out here. We want to come inside and read. A strange request, he thought, and their manner of speaking wasn't quite normal either. The voice in his head kept shouting a warning. His mind struggled with the, their request and wondered where their parents were and why they wanted to come in to read, of all things. Also, yeah, like kids just like knocking on like a marine barracks room. Yeah, why yeah. would they even be there? Yeah, why would they even be on the base? Yeah, yeah. like... I mean, even I mean, kids live on the base, but it's like they don't go to the enlisted barracks in the yeah, middle of the night. Trick or treating, or what the so fuck? Ever. The uh, old father long legs lyrics and song. Oh, we'll get to that after right. this. The, we can get back to the the creepy, the creepy. Uh, we can have a creepy sing along maybe at the end of the segment. Yeah. Ugh, <laughs> I'm not participating. That sounds too scary. Uh, he leaned a bit forward to look out into the walkway, yet he didn't see anyone else. He then looked back once more at the kids, hoping the black eyes would prove to be a trick of the light. They had taken a step towards him and made him very uncomfortable. He then made eye contact with one of them and suddenly felt a pulling sensation. As if those dark, dark eyes were drawing him in. He couldn't take his eyes off the children. Jody said it was like their black eyes were drawing him in, almost hypnotizing him like the old wives' tale about snakes mesmerizing their prey so it won't escape. A wave of utter terror swept over him as if a predator was eyeing him and he needed to run for cover immediately. Instinctively, Jody slammed the door shut and locked it. He stood there in his darkened apartment, almost paralyzed with fear, as the children once again began to knock on the door. Thenceforth, the window began to rattle and Jody stepped back further into into the shadows, struggling to regain his composure. After approximately five minutes of knocking and rattling that seemed to last for an eternity, there was silence. The next day, Jody checked around, and no one in the area saw any children that night. So that's why well, him. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. Why do they choose these Maybe places they just to go? Shows a random door. But but he said, well, they said he lived on like the third floor, right? Yeah. Here, here's my question. What if, what if Jody had called like security? I I don't really understand how military barracks work. But I imagine there's like some sort of security or police that you could call. I guess, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you would do that. I don't think a Marine would call other Marines and say, these kids scared yeah, me. Yeah, okay, all right. Let's. <laughs> yeah, he probably just wouldn't even think to do that. It's like, well, what did they want? Well, they wanted to come in. Let's pull and it. it was scary. Let's imagine, <laughs> all right, let's imagine it wasn't a Marine and a regular person in an apartment building, right? Okay. Because we, we've heard stories of that, too. We're not doing them tonight, but there are instances of that. So say you're alone in your house. You're a regular fucking guy. Um, you open that up. You see that happening. Close the door again. They're still banging on your door. So it's going to scare the shit out of you. My question, my query is, if you called the police and they showed up while they were still banging on your shit, or if someone heard and walked into the hallway... What would happen to those people? Well, that that is a good question. Well, because the thing is, is they're always trying to get in, right? They're always trying to borrow something or take something or get into your house or your car. And my question is, is like, what happened? And you don't ever get the report of when someone lets them in, which is kind of spooky, right? 
you know, well, get that there, there's side been, of there's it. been a couple where the the people have let them in. Like there was a mother that did let them in, and then her child became ill Ugh. for several several months, and the doctors couldn't diagnose it. And then she was miraculously recovered. Yeah, I heard oh, one weird. story where I they let the kids in, and then their apartment was haunted, or house was a, was haunted basically forever after that. So I wonder what would happen. If you encountered them and they weren't asking you for something, but you were just walking along and you walked through that scene, if you will, where they're trying to get something from someone else, where you're not the goal person. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you just wouldn't even notice it. Maybe? Maybe you walked past it before. You just thought it was kids selling cookies. (sighs) Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're not turned towards you, it's just... A regular kid. You're not noticing black eyes or pale skin. Yeah, Yeah, just kids at a door. Well, usually it's like, you know, three o'clock in the morning or something like that. Yeah. It's just just odd. Let's go with uh, the Canic Chase. Now, Mike, uh, explain about the uh, Canic Woods. Uh, Canic Chase Woods is, I believe, it's supposed to be the most haunted woods in the UK. Okay. There's all kinds of shit. A A lot of it is... Uh, encounters with black-eyed people and things like that, for the most part. You can find a lot of videos on YouTube of people going into these woods to try and find something. It's well-known over there. And um, uh, there is one or two videos where they see uh, black-eyed kids, but I I watched kinda, them and I was look like... look kind of hoaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back in the 1980s, a different type of black-eyed kid encounter took place only to repeat itself about 30 years later. It is connected to the murder of three little girls in the 1960s. These stories all took place in the same general location over a span of about 30 years in Canuck Chase, Stratfordshire, England. If you were alive in the 1960s, there's a chance the name Canuck Chase is familiar. Three young schoolgirls were killed and another sexually assaulted and left for dead over a two-year period, all, period, all by Raymond Morris, a.k.a. the Canuck Chase Monster. Some people believe there is a connection between those murders, all girls between the ages of five and nine years old, and the young black-eyed kids encounters that made repeated appearances. It was summer when 18-year-old Karen was meeting with some friends near the Canuck Chase Forest, as she put it, to meet and chill. They were having a great time and things remained uneventful, until right before dark. That's when the group heard frantic shouting and screaming. The voice sounded like a terrified child and Karen sprang to action. She took off running in the direction of the uh, pitiful cries, falling over a tree root and injuring her foot. Darkness was falling and it was getting difficult to see, but Karen was determined to help the child and at the source of the cries. Despite the painful bloody injury, she kept running along a path that seemed to be taking her right to the horrific screaming. It was dark and Karen could barely see, but she was desperate to help whoever was in need. Help, Mommy, help, the child screamed. Karen ran harder, ignoring the pain in her foot. Suddenly ahead of her, she caught sight of a little girl about six years old running away from her. The girl was wearing a white dress and didn't seem to be any in any immediate danger. Karen called out to the child, Are you okay? Were you the one crying for help? The little girl stopped running and turned to face her. Chills ran down Karen's spine and her blood ran icy cold. The girl's eyes were completely black. No irises, no discernible pupils, and no white sclerary? Sclera. Sclera. She looked in Karen's direction for a moment, straight into her eyes as if peering into her very soul, then disappeared into the forest. The screaming stopped and the forest was eerily quiet. 
Unable to find her in the darkness, Karen limped back to her friends who had grown very concerned for her welfare. They insisted that she go to a local hospital to get her foot attended to. As soon as her injury was stitched up, Karen headed to the local police to file a report. No children were reported missing in the area, but the police still sent out a search team and dogs to investigate. They did not find any sign of a little girl whatsoever. Here's another encounter. The story was forgotten by most until another incident occurred about 30 years later. So this is in the same woods. Another young woman, Anne, was near the same forest when she too heard the terrified screams of a young girl. A mother herself, she grabbed her daughter and began to run to find the source of the cries. The screams continued, pulling her deeper into the forest. So it's like the same setup. Uh. It's, I don't know, It's yeah, it's weird. That's spooky. Mommy, help me. Please, Mommy, help me, the voice cried desperately. The frantic cries horrified Anne, who was determined to find this child and save her. Anne ran and ran, but it seemed the cries remained just beyond her. Completely out of breath, Anne had to stop, setting her own little one down beside her for just a moment. Suddenly, a chill swept over Anne, and every hair on her body seems to stand on end. She sensed a presence behind her. Anne turned and saw a young girl about ten years old. She was wearing a white dress and had her hands over her eyes. Anne described the little girl's behavior in terms of a small child with her hands over her eyes as a birthday cake is about to be set down in front of her. The child stood there motionless and silent. An an uncanny quiet seemed to settle over the forest. Not even the sound of birds or insects could be heard. Puzzled, Anne asked, Are you okay, honey? Do you need help? The little girl slowly put her arms down by her sides and opened her eyes, looking directly at Anne. Her eyes were all black, a darkness so chilling, disconcerting, and horrifying that for a moment Anne couldn't pull her own eyes away. Suddenly, feeling as if she were caught in some type of trap, Anne grabbed her daughter by the arm, scooped her up, and began to run in the opposite direction of the little girl. She glanced back at the strange little black-eyed girl, but she had disappeared. Damn. So that's... the exact same setup. Oh, that's So it's like the same setup as the first one. It also kind of feels similar to, like, the kids showing up on doorsteps. Like, they're trying to trick you into something, but but you're not not exactly sure what they're trying to trick you into. It's not clear at all. I, I think... I, I think it's not a specific thing that you need to consent to. I think it's the act of consenting, consenting to anything, to anything yeah. with them. I, I, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Right. So it has to be so the act of If they could do something to you, they would. Yeah. But if you have to agree for some reason, like maybe they don't have any power until you agree to it. Maybe it's part of their glamour. So, you hear a lot of these instances where people see these black-eyed kids or people and, you know, like the trucker who just, like, he wanted to let her in. Um, like, the mother, she wanted to protect this girl. And, like, you feel this need to do these things. Right. But it's not, it doesn't truly take hold until you, you agree. agree. Yeah. And I think maybe that's it. It's kind of like hypnotism. Um, a lot of people say you can't be hypnotized to do anything that you wouldn't normally agree to, that you're not amenable yeah, you, to. You, you don't do anything you don't want to do. Exactly. Which in people say, well, why would someone act like a chicken? Well, they want to be the center of attention. They want to cause a right, scene. Right. So they're amenable to that idea, but they're not going to go fuck their sister or whatever. 
So I think that's what it is. I think it's a sort of hypnotism. You have to agree to it to be fully under their correct. Spell. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like Lauren's uh, two examples of hypnotism. It's like, you can act like a chicken, or fuck your sister. <laughs> or you can eat a big two plate of shit. Very similar things. Those are the only two things. Yeah. <laughs> Acts like a chicken? All right, That's cool. All hypnotists want. Yeah. Uh, here's another one in the same woods. Uh, there's one more direct encounter with the black-eyed kids of the forest worthy of noting. Charlie always enjoyed walking his dog at night and wasn't at all worried when he heard a rustling sound in the bushes alongside the trail he and his dog were traversing. He assumed it was a small animal and thought nothing of it, and neither did his dog. It continued for about ten minutes, then suddenly the sound was behind him instead of beside him. His dog suddenly strained at the leash, pulling him farther along the path and barking hysterically. Charlie turned around to see what was behind him, but saw nothing. Suddenly the dog began pulling him with all its might in the opposite direction. The dog's bark was full of terror, unlike nothing Charlie had ever heard before. Naturally, Charlie turned his head back to look at what his faithful dog was trying to pull him away from. And imagine his surprise when he saw a little girl standing in the middle of the path, her arms straight down at her side, staring right at him. As Charlie's mind was registering what he was looking at, his dog kept desperately trying to pull him back down the path away from the little girl. Charlie, no doubt, was about to rebuke his dog for being afraid of nothing, but a little girl when the moonlight reflected off her eyes. Shocked, Charlie blinked, and when he opened his eyes, she was gone. There was no way humanly possible for her to have disappeared that quickly, nor was it possible for her to walk away without making a sound. Charlie's dog still wanted to go home, and at that moment, so did Charlie. Okay. Yeah, so... So the same deal, basically. It might even be the same entity all these times. It could have been. Yeah, the story of the Canuck Chase of Black Eyed Kids is not complete without discussing two indirect sightings. One was by a group of paranormal investigators who were seeking the uh, seeking ghost footage in the forest. They had about six hours of footage to process, and in the middle of it, they discovered something quite interesting. A young girl dressed in a white dress standing several yards away from the camera. Oh, shit! This could be a child written off as playing out in the woods, but this girl seemed to have... Her, uh, have her own most unnatural light source in the darkness. You can actually find this on YouTube. Yeah, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, finally, there was another possible sighting made by a quadcopter drone flying near the edge of the forest. In the footage, you can see a young girl in a white dress standing at the very edge of the tree line. As the copter near, nears, she turns her body away from it so her face cannot be seen. Her appearance is mysterious, to say the least, as was her reaction to the quadcopter. So all these sightings took place in the same general area associated with the brutal sexual assault and murder of the young girls. How uncanny is it that in each of these stories, the black-eyed kid was a young girl around the age of the victims? Also, unlike the majority of black-eyed kid sightings, these involved only one child rather than a pair. Likewise, instead of seeking out people, the black-eyed kid draws people to her with horrific screams and cries, while in the case of the man walking his dog, she is stalking him. Is she a black-eyed kid or something else? It almost sounds like she's actually something different. Some Name. kind of forest demon or something? Forest demon or possibly a very unsettled ghost. Maybe there was a young girl that was brutally murdered however long ago. Yeah. And so she's just dragging people towards the same fate over and over again. Yeah. Or trying to. Yeah, um, so, so, some sort of like very unhappy spirit. Well, the Canic Chase Woods is famous for uh, a murder that took place in it. Yeah, yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so that could be it. Girl. That's. I want to believe she's actually a ghost as opposed to a black-eyed kid. And my reasoning for that... what she want to do to these people? Well, that's just unfinished yeah, business. Yeah, because she never asked them for anything either. Yeah, she never asks. I think it's just her fulfilling this upset of her death yeah. and just re- and recycling it. And the reason that I think she's a ghost is because when it comes to black-eyed kids... We normally hear about them in stories from the people who actually encounter them. You never hear about them. Uh, For example, when I was talking earlier, maybe some guy walked down the hallway and saw it happen, you know, from a third perspective. You never hear that. I'll tell you what, from now on, anytime I see kids at my door, kick Kick them out. You're right in the face. Kicking them right in the face. Shoot first, Second Amendment. This is Sparta. Get the fuck out of here. John shot first. Yeah. Yeah. Jono issues first. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to kids. I'm like, don't knock on my door, kids. Especially if you have black eyes. Halloween yeah. is over in this house. Yeah, mm. no more Halloween. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. It's it, it seems seems like it's uh, I don't know some sort of some sort of entity that that needs something, but that like you said needs consent. Yeah, to get I it. think black eyed kids need consent. I think the. The girl in the woods is probably not. I think she's different. Because she's been seen in situations where she can't interact with the people seeing her or the recording devices seeing her. So what's the point? Yeah, that's true. And when she's been recorded from these... Well, I don't know about these videos. These videos might be hoaxes they might be but let's if we were to take them at face value let's just say they're as true as everything else we've heard about this one particular instance this one particular girl if we were to weight them the same in those videos she's seen from a distance and not around another person if in the video you had you had the helicopter the helicopter took the video Look she's down. just murdering a guy walking his dog? <laughs> no, just but like you see some girl in a white dress at the edge of the woods and then some guy and his dog like acting concerned. Then I would be like, okay, we're finally seeing a third person perspective of a black-eyed child situation. But you're not. She's just there. And we see plenty of pictures of ghosts just there. Yeah, so that that lends more credence to her being a ghost that yeah. just happens to have black eyes. I, yeah. yeah, I think she happens to have black eyes for whatever reason. Maybe because she's disgruntled. I don't know. So remember, folks, don't let black-eyed children into your house, no matter what. Yeah, That's yeah. Just Don't interact that. with children. If you think they're ghosts or, or corporeal children, yeah, just walk uh, away. don't let them in. If you feel concerned, step out onto your porch and call the cops with them there. Don't let them in your house. Well, I mean, you call the cops from inside. They're, yeah, they're black-eyed kids. Don't hang out with them. Don't. Yeah. Well, I might hang out with them if I see them. But That's maybe. what they want. They don't have your That's best what they interest. want you to do. Just, I don't no, 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 no. Yeah. Just don't say yes yeah, to anything. Don't let two black-eyed kids show up in your door like, would you like some drugs? Well, it depends on what drugs. And how much they're charging. Yeah, the, the price really does affect things. Yeah. All right, before we get out of here and have a sing-along, uh, you guys heard Spoopy with Endless Mike uh, during the break. And uh, I want to remind you guys, check out our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com backslash mysteriousnesses. And uh, check out our email, mysteriousnesses. SP. 
PC. PC. At gmail.com. Yep. I knew it and you didn't this time. Yep. <laughs> we'll get it we'll get it together eventually. Yeah, Mysteriousness is PC. Message us on Facebook or email us any encounters or topics that you want to talk about and uh and uh, make sure to check out mysteriousnesses.com and also check us out on Bubba Army Radio Saturdays at 6 p.m. So let's, uh, Jared, pull, pull up that track, buddy. All right. It's, uh, it's on my phone, but I sent it to you on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I guess I could, I guess I could go on there and play it, but no, just play it from your phone. We're going to sing, man. All right. Just, you just put the phone up to the microphone, and then I got the lyrics right here, and we can just have a little sing-along. Let's see. Ugh, oh. I don't. I feel really uncomfortable with this. Yeah, this is. You gotta start. I don't know where to start. All right, we'll start the second round of it. Oh, nice. for the long legs can't see his face. <laughs> Take him by the left leg and throw him down the stairs. And when he's at the bottom. Before long he's lame. Yeah. Take him by the right leg. Throw him up again. This is a creepy old Fuck song. That. I'm not Father singing this. Long I can't say his prayers. The Lances. by the left leg. Throw him down the stairs. The Lances have refused to sing it. Bottom. Play us out, Jared. Before long he is lame. Take him by the right leg. 